Chad. Yes. Are you hype? I am so all of the hype. I want to die. All right, let's do this. We don't have real jersey numbers. We do have some bad jokes and hockey analysis. From the minds of Andrew Weiss and Chad Schnarr, this is Training Camp Numbers, a Tampa Bay Lightning podcast. Welcome back to Training Camp Numbers. Uh, I guess this is the, I don't know if this is the final episode or not for a while. Um, all I do know is this is the final episode with the Lightning still playing uh, because Tampa decided to go out and do absolutely nothing in the postseason. And by nothing, I mean not win a single hockey game. After setting or tying the record for most wins during the regular season, they forget how to do that in a span of seven days. Andrew Weiss alongside Chad Schnarr, welcome to this episode of ranting and raving and anger and frustration and disappointment and a whole lot of wonderful emotion. Chad, thank you for joining me on this beautiful, beautiful night. Yes, it is beautiful. No, it's not. I, I am just in disbelief. Uh, if you would have told me, yeah, 62-win team is not going to win one against the lowest-seeded team in the East. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And most of you know that we start our episode normally with some jokes. You know, here's a story or two, some pop culture references that Chad doesn't understand. You know, here's a Star Wars <laughs> joke or a Marvel joke that he says what to. It's great. There is no time for jokes today. There is no time for happiness. There is no happiness in this universe. Um, simply because hockey is a dumb, weird, fascinating sport that we all love and also hate. Um, and I guess that's really just the best way I can put it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I just... Both. It's, yeah. it's I mean, laughing and shock and crying and shock and shockingly shocked and insert yeah. other shocked adjective here. Well, we talked last week about why the Stanley Cup playoffs is some of the 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 most watchable um, games in sports, uh, just because of the unpredictability. Uh, but I don't think either one of us thought a week later they'd be out and we'd be talking about it. No, no like one this. saw it coming. No one saw it coming. And and I'll, I'll get into this in a second. First, before I say anything else, I do want to remind people at home just because. Uh, it might come up during the show. I am. I don't know if you noticed, Chad. I've already muted myself three times tonight. Um, I am slightly sick. I'm sick of, of hockey and the Lightning's effort, but that's besides the point. Um, so if you hear me sniffling over here, it, it, you can. If you'd like to think it is the the sad tears of dismissal, that also works if you enjoy that. Um, but it's just a compounded cherry on top of of a week of bad hockey, uh, poor physical health, and of course because of hockey, poor mental health. So. Uh, thank you to the Tampa Lightning for just adding on to that week of fun and misery, but I will try to mute myself as often as I can when I need to uh, make disgusting noises with my nose. So that point aside, to continue off of what Chad said uh, a second ago, um, no one saw this coming. Every expert picked the Lightning. Um, every expert picked the Lightning in at least, at most, six games. I saw a lot of five games. I saw a lot of four games. Yeah, no one picked Columbus. Seven. Right. No one picked Columbus. And I, I, I want to say this really quickly because it's been bothering me all season. It's bothering me now. It bothered me during the first game, the second game, the third game. If you went on Twitter 
all season long and complained and moaned and groaned about the Lightning's effort, about their structure, their strategy, their players. And you said during the whole regular season, this team won't make in the playoffs. This team won't make in the playoffs. This means nothing. They won't, they're not a playoff team. I am here to tell you, you are not right for doing that. You are not correct for doing that. Living your life as a sports fan, as a miserable, pessimistic fool, will not help you in any form or manner. It will not bring you happiness. It will not bring you joy. All it does is come playoff time, when 15 of 16 teams that make the playoffs eventually lose, those odds are great for you to go on and say, I was right. Or if they win and they're the 116th team, then you can say, I'm happy. And that win-win situation, that, that double negative reverse psychology crap does not fly with me. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. And I have no time for it. That's all I have to say about that. It blows my mind when people talk about this. Like, this is not a playoff team. They won 62 games in the regular season. They got swept. And we're going to talk about why. And we're talk about how terrible it is. But you cannot say for the life of yourself that you did analysis and, and scouting and looked into the details and said, yeah, this team's going to lose in the playoffs. There's no way that you logically thought that and had reason behind it. So don't give me that. Don't go on Twitter. Don't at me. Don't give me that. Preach it, brother. I'm sick and, of it, man. I'm just – I'm over it. Uh, there you go. I boot my microphone with my, my little water bottle of medicine, <laughs> but ignore that. Um, but, yeah, I'm just – I'm sick of it. Well, the folks in the the middle of the year is like, yeah, we're winning a lot of games, but it doesn't matter until you get to the playoffs. Right. We were aware. We were aware. Everyone was. But there was no reason to believe this would happen. No. So we were – able to enjoy what was a fantastic regular season. I'll tell you what, though, they ruined it for next year because no one will trust them. next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they won 10 in a row, but yeah, we saw what happened in 2019. Yeah, but 2019, I mean, there's going to be yabbits all over the place. Yeah, but this. Yeah, but that. And they're going to be right or we are going to be right or whoever says it. Uh, it is going to be a miserable regular season next year because we will jump, we being the Lightning uh, Nation, the real one, not the Ning Nation, but <laughs> we, it will be really hard to enjoy winning next year. And, and I do want to add on, don't get me wrong, I am all for accountability. I have no issue with if the Lightning play poorly someone holding them accountable, which is what we will do today on this episode. We will hold them accountable for this playoff series. But there is a difference between holding them accountable for regular season loss and taking a regular season loss and going, this team will never make it anywhere. There is a big difference. And living that pessimistic mindset is not worth your time. It's not worth other people's time that have to put up with you. It's not worth anything else. There's no gain to it. So that's my, my little rant besides that. I do want to add, final thing on that, uh, I put in the rundown, need a curse word. There are going to probably be times today where I want to curse. We it. run a clean, family-friendly podcast. Never mind. What? What's never mind? What I forget? Uh, I said, just do it. And then you said, we run a clean. Uh, ne never mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's good to hear laughter for the first time in a week. Um, so, yeah, I, I maybe maybe I just will. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I went on Twitter. And I said, folks, I need a I need a curse word to use. That's not a curse word for when I want to say a curse word. And trust me, there are there are plenty of 
of things I want to say. Um, but it's uh, – I'll do my best to hold my tongue and not go on the record and say something. So we shall see how that goes. Uh, let's slide into the series recap. This will be fun. Let's Ugh. let's look into let's look into this postseason, shall we? Game one, Lightning go up three nothing in the first period. Sergei Bobrovsky is shaken in his little Russian boots. The Blue Jackets are on the verge of utter collapse in the first game against a powerhouse team, and then they won four to three. Chad, your thoughts? Can we go back to the end of that first period and just? That was the last time I felt happiness in my life. Right. Could, could we just go back there and then say, okay, let's let's do this again, okay? Let's come out in the second period and not just throw our sticks and helmets on the ice and, you know, maybe maybe try a little bit and maybe take that into the third period and think, you know what could happen? The other team could try to score here. I wonder if we should try to stop them. <laughs> maybe we could do that in game one again. And then I just the, – it's almost like there was this arrogance of, yeah, well, how many two goal leads or how many uh, two goal deficits have we come back from? And um, we can we can turn it on whenever we want. We talked uh, this year about flipping the switch uh, or a lot on Twitter. Just uh, the Lightning will get down two or three goals and then flip the switch, or they're down in the third period. They'll just flip the switch. I really think they just thought, oh, we're just going to flip the switch. It'll be fine. And then they got frustrated, and then. All hell broke loose. And you're spot on. You're absolutely spot on. That's a lot of the points I was going to make. So thank you for saving us the time of me rambling as per usual. Um, But it's frustrating when you see a team drink its own Kool-Aid. And I'm going to use that phrase a lot tonight because that is what happened. You're going to ask yourself, why didn't Cooper make adjustments? Why didn't they trade for someone at the deadline? Why didn't they, you know, look like they were nervous? Why do their quotes not you know, show urgency? Why didn't they look emotional about any of this? And that's because they drank their own Kool-Aid. They thought we are the 62-win regular season team. We're good. And I don't know how much of that impacted them. I don't know. I'm not mind reader. I don't I don't sit in that locker room. I can't judge them on everything. But by the way they played and the way they looked and their body language, that's the impression they gave. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not in that locker room. But that is the impression they gave. We are the 62-win team. We have faith. We have confidence. Let's go. And part of that's not a bad thing. You need to believe in yourself. You need to have confidence. And what they did by Kool-Aid in and what they drank up from themselves and what they – their fatal mistake, in my opinion, was in that game, in game one, was they kept believing that they were doing the right thing. And they did yep. that all series long. We are doing the right thing. We're doing it fine because they did not want to adjust. They believed – and I don't mean I don't mean big adjustments. I mean minor – or I don't mean minor adjustments. They made minor adjustments. They changed – lines here and there they don't want to make big adjustments and that's what columbus did and that's part of why i don't think columbus will go too much further in the playoffs i think they're a great team and maybe they will but what they did was they took their identity and they changed it for this series they changed it to what they needed it to be and that's the difference between winning a playoff series and losing it who are you versus who do you need to be the lightning were who they thought they were and columbus was who they needed to be and that's what happened in game one that's what happened in game two through four yeah, and we talked in the regular season about a couple games, I don't know if it was Carolina or who it was, that completely changed the way they did things. Maybe it was Boston. Yeah, it was in Boston. I was thinking they, of the Minnesota game where they, they just right. sold they sold out. Yeah, they the entire would, game. They changed who they were just for the sake of being lightning. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And in the Boston game where they would surround uh, the puck carrier on zone entries with as many as four. Um, And we saw a lot of that with Columbus, too. But that's what you do in the playoffs. And that's what you don't do in the regular season, aside from a little thing here and there when you're really uh, intentional about winning that game or making a statement. Um, playoffs are a different story and John Cooper's at, or John Cooper, John Tortorella is a hell of a coach. And he, if this is the biggest failure in professional sports history for playoffs or at least hockey, then on the other side, and I'm a Tortorella fan, I do think he needed to leave Tampa when he did, but, um, he just, he just, punked John Cooper in this series. <laughs> uh, there's no way about it. He dunked on him over and over and then stood over and wagged his finger. Um, what a hell of a coaching job by Tortorella and Cooper had absolutely no answers. And to your point about the arrog- er, continuing on with the arrogance and the Kool-Aid, that has been the critique of John Cooper in his career. Now don't take away from what he did during the regular season because the Adams is for the regular season and what he did for the regular season was outstanding. Now, when he wins, wins the Adams, which he should, is there going to be a huge crap stain on it? Uh-huh. Yes, there is, as there will be on the president's uh, trophy banner. But what John, the critique of him is that he thinks that his way is better than anyone else and he is unwilling to change some things because he believes he's right. And part of that is good. And part of that is bad. And that's from people who have been around him a long time in the bowels of the, uh, of Amelie arena. Um, and I think if you look at, and I'm starting to go down a little rabbit hole here, but if you look at how he treats the ex Norfolk players, the Cooper's troopers, how Kalorn can do no wrong, and Tyler Johnson always gets a free pass, and Andre Pallad always gets a free pass. Um, there's just no, there's never a time when they say, you know what, this might not be working. It's always, oh yeah, that's that's what we, that's what he does. He's he's fine. No, we're fine. This is fine. Chad, I want you to know that about six times during that uh, spot on, by the way, spot on speech of yours. Uh, I had to clear my nose, so I'm really hoping this mute mic button's working, or else people at home are really going to get sick of our podcast. So besides that beautifully gross point aside, um, let's go into let, – let's let's go back and really quickly just recap the games. I know we talked about oh, yeah. uh, Cooper getting his lunch handed to him, um, and, and I'll get into that more in terms of you know percentage of who's to blame, all that stuff. Uh, game two, we talked about game one. They blew the lead. They bought their own they, – they drank their own Kool-Aid. Game two was probably the worst lightning game I've seen. They got manhandled. There was nothing for them all game long. I really think they expected Columbus to come out a different team, just like they did in or uh, similar to what they did in the first period in game one. I think the lightning really thought that they were just going to blow them out again. I think that's the arrogance, but once they got down, then that doubt just overwhelmed them, and there was nothing they could do to get out of it. It was miserable. It was disappointing. 
And it was a 2 nothing series deficit, and that was what I call the beginning of the end. At that point, after game one, you know, you, everyone's feeling like, okay, you know what, the Lightning blew it. They did terrible. They shouldn't have, you know, you know, gotten to that point where they, they threw away a 3 nothing lead. In general, having a 3 nothing lead, there's no excuse for losing. In the playoffs, it's even worse. But they thought, okay, mistakes happen. Game two, we'll get it right back. It wasn't even close. If they had been a closer game, fine, maybe. But here's the issue. Game one, period two, Nikita Kutrov is stopped on the doorstep by Sergei Bobrovsky. Columbus comes back minutes later, scores, and that's where they began their comeback. And that's where Bobrovsky got his confidence back. That's the beginning of the end. And you saw it in game two because it wasn't just Bobrovsky that was confident. It was the entire Columbus team. Every single one of them believed in their system, their team, and each other. They didn't play by themselves. They played with uh, within their system and with the, you know, and using each other. I did not want to say play with each other because that just sounds weird. Um, yeah, I don't know if you noticed me trying to avoid that as best as I could. Um, <laughs> but it, it was, like I said, it was the beginning of the end because then in game three, they they looked miserable the first two periods. They got outscored. They got one back in the third period and they they you know pat themselves on the back like oh we felt good after that third period, but they still lost. And it was three to one, and now you're down in the hole three nothing. And the pressure is on you. And the pressure is on them from the beginning as a 62-win team. And so mentally, I didn't look like they could handle it. They looked lost. They looked out of place. And it was role reversal. You couldn't tell which team had never won a series before and which team was a 62-win team. It looked like Columbus was the experienced veteran playoff team. And it looked like Tampa had no business being there. And there's no excuse for that. But that's what it looked like after Game 3. I think you're exactly right. I think Game 2... Uh, to go back to that just a, a bit, I thought that was the stupidest game that I've seen. And lightning down one nothing, and then there's a little tangle or you know a, a little scuffle along the boards, and Kalorn comes in out of nowhere and decks somebody, and Columbus goes on the power play and scores and gets up 2-0, and that's when that doubt started coming in. What the hell are you doing? Why are you taking that guy out? When you're down a game already and down a goal, and then Kucherov at the end, God bless him, why? I know you're competitive, but you've got to have some composure in you. So he takes himself out of game three, and in that game three to get back to there, I thought game three, for all the people who said Kucherov shouldn't win the heart because he's got too many talented people around him, the Lightning looked completely lost in the offensive zone without Kucherov. It's like, oh, yeah. well, who do we give the puck to now? It was and miserable. It was miserable not, watching their, their entry. Yeah, and now not that they got a power play to even go through Kucherov or whoever's replacement was going to be. I guess we'll never know, um, and that's a whole other topic. But they looked completely lost, and it was embarrassing. And I think that... You know, and, and people will want to point out, like, oh, why didn't they adjust? Why didn't they adapt? Um, and a part of that, I, I, think, I just want to say, part of that imbalance in Game Three and Four is missing Kucherov in Game Three and missing Hedman in Three and Four. And I understand that playoffs in hockey is a team game. You have to step up when other players are out. Blah 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 blah. But they became so reliant on Kucherov and Hedman, it's hard to just say, okay, let's just you know, next guy up. It's it's easier said than done. 
when Kucherov's the guy who's, you know, his usage rating on every shift is like 50%, he's a guy bringing in, he's a guy making the zone entry, and Hedman's the guy starting the breakout, it's hard to adjust. Now, that's not an excuse. They should have found ways to, you know, be prepared. That's what other guys are there for is to, you know, maybe not step up and fill exactly 100%, but find a way, maybe a different way. And that was their issue was they just kept playing the same game as if Kucherov and Hedman could be replaced. And they are not replaceable. So you can't go in and, you know, take Braden Point and Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat and say, okay, you guys play like uh, when Kucherov's out there because they're not Kucherov. You have to change how you attack. You have to change how you enter. And they didn't really do that. They just kept yeah. going like, oh, Kucherov's still here. And he's not. He wasn't there. No, I, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And it's not like, well, they should have not used Kucherov or Hedman so much. Uh, therefore, they'd be ready if they were without them. No, because you're right to use them. But, and hear me out on this, and this might be jumping into this a little soon, is the Lightning, or is John Cooper, um, is his success due to his coaching or is his success due to the roster that Iserman gave him? And it's just that skill and the spontaneity of it that has produced all this success. Now, there's a combination there. Obviously. Then if you don't have a star, then the structure takes over and your, your system takes over. And there was nothing there. And it really was, oh, we're completely reliant on these two guys' skill. And at what point, I mean, I hate to bring an NBA reference in here for people who don't know it, but um, it's actually, I'll, I'll do an NFL one as well. It reminds me a lot of Golden State and how dominant they are now. They were good when they had Mark Jackson as their coach. I mean, they were doing fine. But they still fired him, and people were stunned. And then they brought in Steve Kerr, and now they've won who knows how many championships. I don't know. I don't watch NBA, but I do remember that. And I know it was it was it wasn't controversial, but it was interesting. And and you know, go back to I've seen a lot on Twitter tonight. Uh, Tony Dungy, people are comparing Cooper to Tony Dungy. You know, is he the guy that's good, but not the right one? And I honestly don't really answer that question. I honestly don't. Um, that's going to be something in hindsight to look at. I don't think I know right now. I don't think I'll know next year. I don't think I'll know in five years. But we will see. Um, Last thing, game recap-wise, game four was today. Um, it was slightly better. They still – they take away the first five minutes, and they outplayed Columbus. Um, obviously, 7-3 to three final doesn't look like it. Three of those goals were empty net goals. It was 4-3. to three. Um, So 7-3 is a little bit deceiving, obviously. But you can't take away those five first five minutes. And Columbus shot out to a 2 nothing lead in the first period. How do you expect to win a game when you have, you know, the pressure is cramping down on you? You're down 3 nothing the series. You need a good game. And you go behind 2 nothing, And you take a penalty less than a minute into the game. What are you thinking? And then Columbus scores on the power play. What do you expect will happen? So you can't start as badly as they did and expect that things will go okay. And so, that's uh, – that is miserable. all – that's been up until this year. Well, even this year a lot. That has been another of the negative criticisms of, of John Cooper is you start with this passive structure and then you get down and then the guys just kind of do their own thing, so to speak, to get back into it. 
Now, I know the defensive structure is meant to create counterattacks, um, but it's are you sitting back passive or are you being aggressive within that and then out of it? It, it just I, I just wonder more and more and more about um, how much coaching was involved in this. And it, it reminds me a lot of, okay, when did they have those issues? Oh, that's right. The entire regular season, they fell behind in a lot of games for a 62-win team. They gave up the first goal often. I don't have that sat in front of me. I really wish I did as I say it out loud. But I can remember that this team fell behind early often. And it's which is surprising for a team that won 62 out of 82 games. But they did. And that kind of sunk them today in game four. And it sunk them in terms of getting momentum. You can't start off slowly. Nope. Nope. All right. Do you have anything else to add on the game recaps before we get into our next section? No. No, I do not. All right, folks. This is the time you've been waiting for. Thank you for staying with us through our game recaps. Welcome to what we like to call the rant time. We don't really have a name for it. It's kind of just what I put in the rundown is just rant time. I also put take turns and I put my own name to remind myself not to hog the airtime because I'm sure I'm going to be doing that plenty in this beautiful section that we've called rant time. So first and foremost, an embarrassing performance. Chad, I'll let you go first and then I'll I'll hop in there unless you'd like me to go by all means. But I figured uh, I'll let you speak before I go rambling. You know, I don't even know where to begin on this just what would the odds be in vegas i know we were talking before we started recording about what the odds would have been for the lightning not to win one game against the lowest ranked team i i just it is unbelievable to me and i think i don't know if we're getting into fixes or anything like that but i love the story of steve eiserman as a player who was I guess you could say closer to Kucherov uh, earlier in his career. And then he uh, changed his game to be more of a two-way player in order to win more. And then the rest is kind of history after that. And it was his coach that had him do it. Now, it's not like John Cooper's not trying to get them to play two-way games or anything like that. But I think if you use that as a, a metaphor or a, as an object lesson for um, the Lightning as a whole – Someone brought up the point of are the Lightning built for the regular season? They have so many small forwards, and yes, the Yanni Gords um, all do great things, but there's got to be balance. And we talked about that heading into the trade deadline, I think. And I know Wayne Simmons wouldn't have been the difference completely, but the playoffs are a different game. I don't like that they call the playoffs completely different than they do the regular season because if you're built for the regular season you're built for the way they call it and the lightning are built for the way they call regular season games they're not built for the way they play playoff games and they were unable to mentally have enough sense of urgency to get through that like they have in the past sometimes but the lightning had no answer for josh anderson last year they had no answer for wilson who do the Lightning have in their top six or even top nine that could be a power forward? And you have to create space, and Andre Pallott is not doing it, and JT Miller 
Uh, I don't know if he is doing it or not because he gets benched if he sneezes without saying excuse me. Um, but other people can do no wrong. Uh, it just it blows my mind that um, they looked at this team at the trade deadline and said, you know what? We're cool. We got it. And then did nothing. And we said at that time, we're going to find out at the end of the playoffs if this was a good decision or not, because it looked like it would be a great decision based upon points and how they were doing in the standings. But it was still obvious that the right side of the defense and Bolt Prospects has a writer named Pete Choquette, and he mentioned on Twitter tonight, the right side of the defense was still a problem then, and Jan Ruda wasn't going to solve it. And we talked about, you know, Osterley and some other ones to bring in for depth just in case the top four took a hit. And they didn't have any size up front to combat the um, tighter play, tighter checking, uh, especially on the four check. And that ended up being a big cost to them, too. When the Columbus Blue Jackets mucked it up, like we talked about last week, they were going to try to do. When they mucked it up and took away the speed and the zone entry, what were what was the Lightning's um, answer for that? They tried to dump and chase, but they didn't have the horses to do it well. And they couldn't get any kind of a zone time game going with uh, the cycle. And they couldn't draw power plays because they had no speed. And, of course, the refs didn't really help there, too. But uh, you don't lose four straight just off the refs. Um, it wasn't built right. And they didn't have the right attitude. And they didn't adjust. And I'd like to see them not or I, I would not how do I say this I hope they don't just say you know what we'll just make one change one small change and then we'll go from there I hope they not blow it up but I hope they make three or four decent changes and even if it means they win 52 games instead of 62 okay if they're built to go farther in the playoffs and do it with a sense of sustainable success and not hoping for uh, just a good run based upon matchups because what the team has to be matchup proof and they weren't matchup proof. We wanted Carolina for the reason that Carolina wasn't going to muck it up. Columbus would, and they have good centers. So yeah, that's the end of it. <laughs> you kind of hit on like four of our rants, which is good. Um, but I'm going to go one at a time. And by the way, uh, I appreciate you being logical and having reasoning because it's like good cop, bad cop. You are a logical cop, and I'm going to be loud cop. Okay. So I'm going to back up my mic just in case I get loud. I don't want to sound fuzzy. I don't want to sound unclear. I want to make sure everyone hears what I say. That was embarrassing. That was nothing but embarrassing. That is a 62-win tying the Record NHL dominant powerhouse contender with experience, with skill, with the Hart Trophy winner, with 340 goal scores, with a Vezina winner, a Jack Adams candidate, a Norris candidate, and you don't win a game? Are you kidding me? There is no excuse. There is nothing that can save you from any form of ridicule. There is nothing. This is the worst loss 
by a team in professional sports history. I am confident saying that because no team has had that dominant of a regular season and that piss poor of a postseason. No one, not a single team. Go back. Go find me a team. I will prove you wrong because there is no one who was first in the power play, first in the penalty kill, first in goals scored, top 10 in goals against, best in nearly every category that failed to win a single hockey game. There are no excuses. There are no reasons for it. And there is nothing, nothing that they can say that will justify anything that just happened on the ice in this past week of terrible, terrible hockey. That's what I have to say about that. I like it. I'm going to do that for every one of these points, by the way. Yeah, I, I didn't I, really read down the points. I just went <laughs> off and like, oh, yeah, I guess I hit that one and that one. Whoops. Anyway, so, as you were. Go oh, ahead. no, by all means, that's fine. I uh, Look, I'm, I'm not the biggest Stephen A. Smith guy, but I'm going to harness him right now because oh. his emotion and his loudness is kind of how I'm feeling. Um, and it's, it's revving up right now. So the next point we have, coaching adjustments weren't made. They weren't. They weren't. They, I mentioned it earlier. They drank their own Kool-Aid. We're the best team. We will enforce our game. We will force it upon them. They will not force it upon us. We don't need to adjust. It's the playoffs, and it sucks that it's different, that they refs call it differently, that the style of play is different. It's tighter. It's checking. You know, It's more defensive. People buy into their own system more. You need to adjust when that happens, and they did not. They didn't change lines until game three. They didn't bother changing how they approached the game. They tried to chip and chase. That didn't work. They couldn't break out. They had no answer for the forecheck from Columbus. They had no answer for it. For Josh Anderson and Brandon Dubinsky, their big bodies. They didn't even have the answer for the skilled guys coming in. Cam Atkinson drew, got steals. Artemi Panarin got steals. The takeaways were off the charts on the forecheck for Columbus. And they couldn't adjust. And yeah, they're missing Hedman. And sure, they missed Kucherov for a game. But they didn't make adjustments, and this is the postseason where the other team has time between the end of the season and the game one to study your game. And from game one to game four, get used to you, know you, know how you speak, how you work, what your system is, what your favorite food is, what your brain is thinking, what your girlfriend's name is, what your dog's name is, what your coach's type of gum is. They will know everything and anything about you, and they will use it to win. And when you don't do the same for them and use that and adjust, you will lose. And that is exactly what happened. I'm not going to put all the blame on Cooper. I'm not going to put all the blame on the coaching staff. But they get a big old steeping pile of it. They get a big pile. And it is not going to go away anytime soon. And they will be judged on this performance for a very long time. And unless they pull a Virginia after they lost to UMBC, which is number two on my list of playoff collapses, Unless they do that and they win the title next year, there will never be any form of retribution or redemption for this team. Completely agree. And for those of you on Twitter right now that are going around like, yeah, well, we have a cup and you don't, just just don't. You know, just get off of Twitter or if you have a – I hate that argument with a burning passion. If you have a list where it's just lightning uh, follows – just stick to that, okay? Because there's nothing you can say right now that is going to um, make this any better. Either stay off of it or just shut up and take it. Because those it, are the only two options. That's it. That, that's it. It's 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 not great. It's not great. 
and it blows my mind that we're here and we're talking about this. But they didn't adjust, and they had plenty of opportunity to. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take the next few in stride because I know we have limited time, and we still have a lot to get through. So I will, we will, as we say we're going to go rapid fire every episode. We never do. We're going to try this time. Uh, foot off the gas in game one. Next rant. Yeah, how can you possibly blow a three three nothing lead at that team with that team? How can you go in? And give Bobrovsky any form of confidence after dropping three on him. The guy was shaking in his own warm-ups. His legs were shaking. Pierre Maguire's only good point in the entire series was pointing that out. And you don't take advantage of that? You give him confidence? A guy whose playoff record is so bad it makes mine look good? And for the record, I've never played an NHL postseason game. And I've got a lot better stats than Bobrovsky did going into the season. That's how bad they were. And you make him look good and you make him feel confident? Are you kidding? No, you can't. They, they let off. I've never seen a team let the foot off the gas after the first period of game one and then literally never put it back on for the rest of the series. I cannot believe that. Yep. I tweeted the next day the Bolt Prospects Onion title. Local team upset cup wasn't awarded after first period. Huh. Um. Yeah, they just like, okay, can we have our trophy now? No? All right, well, we quit. We're going to take our puck and go home. Oh, we'll just skate around for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it obviously wasn't that bad, but yeah, not good. They really did never, uh, aside from a couple third periods here and there, never hit the gas again. Uh, a no-show from the Stars. Next topic. Steven Stamkos, brain point, Akita Kucherov, zip, zero, nada, nothing to show from game one to three. Obviously, the only thing Kucherov had to show for game three was not being there after taking a stupid, stupid penalty in the end of game two out of frustration. It's game two. You know how many teams have come back from down two nothing? Plenty. But when you take yourself out of game three because you're angry and you're upset and you want to take out your frustrations and you just want to feel better. Well, congrats. You blew game three. And you saw that we talked about it earlier. They looked lost without Kucherov in game three. Stamkos, nothing until game four. Point, nothing until game four. And Kucherov just gets pissy. You, why? Why? What is the point of that? What are you accomplishing? And this has been an issue with him before. And this is, this is a minor thing from before, but now it's major because of what just happened. But he gets frustrated easily. And... Usually he takes that off, takes that frustration out on the score sheet, and that's great. And I love when that happens. It's fun to watch. But when he doesn't and he gets physical and he gets chippy and he starts whacking and slashing, then that's where issues happen. And that's what happened in game two. And it's one of the reasons they lost the series is because they looked like mental midgets out there. They couldn't keep it together. Yeah, there's been a lot of comments about how mentally soft the Lightning were. And the argument against that is there's been so many comebacks during the regular season, they can't possibly be soft mentally. But if you look at game one after the first period and how they couldn't respond when Columbus started the comeback and then they couldn't finish it out, and then game two, they just immediately play stupid, get down, um, and then game three, et cetera. Uh, it looks as though they were an extremely immature team that hadn't been to the Eastern Conference Finals in three of the last five years or whatever it was. Um, Kucherov and Point and Johnson and Stamkos, there just there wasn't any space for them. 
and it's up to the coaches and it's up to player types to create that space. And Tyler Johnson and Andre Pallott are not going to create space for skilled players. And Stamkos doesn't really have anything on his line. He's got two soft players. Yeah, it's it sounds awful, but um, no, but you're you're right. And and look, I think honestly, game four, I think Palat was one of their better players. Good. Game three, that as yeah. well. Yeah, he he, um, did, he did step up, and I apologize for yeah. that. Yeah, no, 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 but I but I do want to add, you are you are correct, and I tweeted this out the other day, and it reminded me of this. Andre Palat from January 16 until April 16th, which is today, has a total of three goals. Three. I, you, That's the I, guy you're putting on Stamkos' wing? That's the guy you want him to play with? He, he put up 60 with Marty. He put he, up 60 he, with Marty for a reason. You can't ditch this guy with bodies who don't understand what a hockey puck is. He played for Norfolk, though. And that's all it is. All it is is, oh, he played for Norfolk. You want to hear some Andre Palat stats that will depress you? His rookie, okay, his first year he put, played 14 games in 12, 13, whatever. His quote-unquote rookie year when he finished second in Calder, uh, behind Nathan McKinnon, who, by the way, is one good hockey player. He had 59 points, 23 goals, 36 assists. He has not hit 20 goals since. He has not hit 20 goals since. And the only time he put up more points, the year right after. He put up 63 points in 75 games, looked like a core piece, finished ninth in Selkie voting. Since then, you have a 40-point season, a decent 52-point season, and then last year 35, and this year 34. That is not a man that's trending the right way. And that's the guy you want with your captain and all-time goal scorer? Look, Stamkos turned invisible, don't get me wrong, but it's hard to show up when you have no ride to the show. Yep. I mean, Brad Richards wasn't going to knock anybody over, and he used to get ripped on for that all the time. But he had Freddie Modine on one side, and Modine created space. Stamkos has to have skill on one side and he has to have someone to create space on the other. And really, uh, for a playoff matchup, Braden Point is more Brad Richards than he is Vinny LeCavier. When Vinny LeCavier made that awesome pass to Fedotenko in Game 7, he worked his butt off to create space for himself. We don't have that player type because they really don't value it and they don't really teach to play that way anymore. They really want to play a no contact thing. Um, they tried to hit, but it's just outside of a couple of guys, it's just not them. And I do want to add, this team was top 10 in hits and second in penalties taken this year, um, which, you know, usually is a good sign of, of being tough and physical and violent. But, you know, when, when, look, I love Yanni Gord to death. I think the guy's incredible. I think he's a great, you know, mantra of what this team Tries to be, you know, hardworking, aggressive on the forecheck, you know, gets the gritty goals. It's what, you know, they need more of, but they don't need more of it at his size. And I'll be completely honest, he throws a mean body check. But if I've got Yanni Gord coming at me on one side and I've got Josh Anderson or Tom Wilson coming at me on the other, I'm going towards Yanni Gord. And that's not a shot at, at Yanni Gord at all. But that's where a lot of their, their checking comes from is guys who they might put a looking on you, like an Ernie or a Pocket or a Callahan. But I'm not scared when Steven Stamkos throws a hit. I'm not. Or, you know, sometimes Kucherov gets physical. Okay. But I'm not really afraid of that. And that's what a lot of teams you saw in this postseason. They threw their body around game one and two. And what success did that have? Not a lot. you got to have guys who can throw the body around successfully 
and can score goals with that strength. And they don't have that. And that goes into the next point. The depth did not really help the series. You know, Anthony Sorelli had a good series, I thought. Um, you know, Eric Chernak played well defensively. Kalorn didn't have a bad series. I thought Kalorn was one of their better forwards. I thought he took some dumb penalties and some weren't his yes. fault. But uh, that, his his goal too. in game one was fantastic. Yeah. And and but that that aside, we're you know we're making lemonade out of really bad lemons. That's yeah. we're looking at a relative positivity. You know, take it compared to the regular season, and they were bad. But relative to where everyone else was, they were good. That's not a why, good thing. Why do you not take the end of the regular season after they've clinched the President's Cup? And we talked about it before. Put Ernie up with Stamkos. Just see what you got there. They won't. They and I were able to. Yeah, if they were able to look ahead, like what if when we meet Boston in the second round, if if we have to have a cycle game, are we going to be able to create space for a Stamkos? No, we got this. We're good. Let's keep Palat there. And JT Miller has that. that no, and JT Miller has that aspect. Uh, Matthew Joseph could, and I know I'm partial to the um, the, young the young guys. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, back to Palat, when he, and you don't have to answer this, but a lot of these guys, when they got their big contracts, that's when the uh, ascension in their game stopped. No, you're right. You notice that with a lot of these guys, you know, with Palat, as I mentioned. So it's it's frustrating. I, will, I won't get too much into it just because I want to move on and get everything else in. Uh, the whole Hedman debacle, I want to point that out briefly. I hate sports culture and the idea that you got to play through everything. I hate it. And I understand why people like it. And I understand that like, Oh, you want to be tough for your team and all that stuff. Here's the issue. And here's the issue I have first and foremost, these are human beings. All right. So injuries will play a part in their lives in general. So whether, whatever the injury was with Hedman, whether it was a concussion or not, that impacts who he is as a human being, as a hockey player, that yeah. aside, which is a huge, huge thing, by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss it, but that's a huge thing. But I want to get to the next point. When you have a guy playing through injury and you treat it like it's still the same player, you have a problem because you cannot rely on them to do the exact same as they would when they're healthy. You notice that with Hedman. Game one and two, he looked lost. I don't know if it's because of an injury or what, but he did not play like Victor Hedman. But they played him like he was. They gave him 20-plus minutes, 25-plus minutes, whatever it was. And he was not the same player. And so when you take him out for three and four, yeah, it's tough. But are you really going to play a guy who does not look comfortable out there 25 minutes? It's the same thing. And I, I'm not trying to do other sports. Too many examples. But uh, in the in the NBA, Paul George played the other day uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He couldn't raise his arms over his shoulder, over his head, just days before their first playoff game. You're playing basketball, and you couldn't raise your arms over your head. I don't play that much. I shoot hoops every now and then for fun. I'm terrible at it. But I know you got to be able to do that. And he, they played him over 75% of the game, and he, he played the most minutes on their team, and he took the most shots on their team, and he did terribly. He was, he was like 4 for 25, something terrible. I don't know the exact number. But it's the same thing in all sports. When you play a guy and expect him when he's injured to play like he does when he's healthy and you deploy him as such – you will not get good results. And look, Ben Bishop played great on a torn groin in the 2015 Cup Final. 
Tyler Johnson did not play great with a broken wrist. He broke his wrist. They didn't have him take faceoffs, but they still played him almost more than any other forward because he was their leading point scorer at the time of the playoffs. Learn when to adjust. He broke his wrist. Change it. Adjust. He doesn't need 20 minutes because his wrist is literally broken. So when Victor Hedman comes in and they're saying, oh, it's upper body injury. Oh, is it a concussion? Uh, We won't comment on that. Okay, you won't say no. That leads me to believe that there's a decent chance it is, which, like I said, that's I don't know. I'm not going to not a doctor. I'm not in the room. So I want to put that out there right away. But in the event that it is a concussion, if that's the uh, th- that's that's the case, then you're playing this guy 25 minutes a night when he doesn't know where he is. No. Well, how was he cleared? I don't know how he was cleared. I really because don't. I, I agree with you 100 percent. He did not look I mean, he looked like and this is something that's really insensitive. He looked like he did, you know, a couple pub crawls before the game. And the way he attacked, um, I forget who David scored Savard. it. David Savard. Yes. I know the exact what you're thinking of. Because yes. every single hockey person I know, because apparently I'm the only Tampa native that half the world knows, because, you know, everyone decided to text me after tonight's game and after every game and ask me questions like I'm the expert, which I'm not, but I pretend to be on this podcast. But everyone's like, what's with Hedman? And the hockey coaches I work with here in Chicago, as a journalist, not as a hockey player, but I cover with, you know, we, we talk a little bit now and then. And they were asking me, like, what's with Hedman? His angle of attack defensively on that last play was miserable. Like, he's <laughs> never done that in his life. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's not all there. And to spin off the way he did without keeping your body between the attacker and the goal. Um, okay, so you didn't get the puck, but you vacate the lane? What? And then he couldn't gather the puck with an empty net to even make a pass up the ice. Something was clearly. And they deployed him like he was fine. They used him like he was perfectly fine. And that's what my issue is. Do like if you want to have a guy play through injury and that's his call. Fine. I understand that. I did that plenty of times when I was playing high school hockey and that's nowhere near the NHL. That's the culture that hockey has cultivated. Whether that's good or not is another question. I don't think it is because I've personally experienced it and it's pretty terrible. Um, but you're not going to be able to deploy that guy the same way. So why do you do that? And the, it all culminated to me when he went and he started talking smack to the Columbus bench when they were losing with minutes oh. left, and Pierre Maguire was translating it over the air or transcribing or doing whatever the word is I can't think of. And he and he's talking about how Hedman's like, oh, you're up to nothing last year. How that work out for you? All that stuff. Look, I'm not on the ice. I don't know how much Victor Hedman talks smack, but he is almost always one of the most quiet guys out there from what it looks like in terms of verbally being you know or or being verbal to the other team and so to me that leaves me more reason to believe that he's frustrated and so i'm like all right well yeah they lost the game but why is he more frustrated than anyone else could it be that you know there's something nagging at him injury wise probably and now we know yeah he got hit a bunch in game two did he really get hit in game two to where he couldn't play games three and four because of something in game two or because something else happened before game two maybe the haglin hit where he got his upper body injury, and then he re-aggravated in game two, or they realize in game two, this isn't going to work. So get out of here with that stupid hockey culture crap that he has to play through every injury and that he might be soft if he doesn't because you're not going to get the same player, and they're going to use him like he's the same, and that's where the issue was in game two, was they kept using Hedman in situations that they didn't need to. So, yeah, that's that's my, my thought on Hedman. Uh, do you want to talk about the special teams? What special teams? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where did that PK go? I want to. I want to point this out really quick. The Blue Jackets hired Martin St. Louis of Lightning fame, Jersey retired, as a consultant and power play specialist near the end of the year. They were bottom five in the NHL in power play. They were miserable on the power play. So they brought in Martin St. Louis, a, you know, a good friend of John Tortorella. The Lightning's penalty kill was tied with Columbus for best in the league. So explain to me how you allow a team that's bottom five in the NHL on the power play to go five for ten on the power play during the playoffs. Is it all Marty St. Louis adjustments? Maybe, I guess. Is it your lack of adjustments? Is it your inability to kill a penalty? I understand complaining about the refs and the calls they did or did not make, but there is no excuse for going 50% on the penalty kill during the playoffs. When you're supposed to buy in and defense is all that matters and all this stuff, yada, 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 all that garbage, you allow a team to go 50% on the power play, five goals this series. How, how many goals did Lightning score this series? I'm bad at math. There's three, four, five. Okay, eight goals they scored this series. Eight goals. Columbus scored five goals on the power play alone. Oh, gosh. That That's hurts. remarkably bad. I've got wow. I've got nothing else for it. No. <laughs> no. Just add it to the pile. Add it to the pile. And the final thing I'll say on, on refs in the playoffs, I am – look, I'm not going to blame the refs for the Lightning losing the series. There are so many issues with what the Lightning did this year in the postseason more than the refs. Then to, to blame the rest would just be silly. But I hate, 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 spell it with 18 A's, hate the stupid swallow the whistle crap that the refs do during the postseason. Because all it does is make this false sense of parity with teams because they're calling the game differently. And it's like, yeah. all right, well, here's this 82-game schedule. Here's how we're calling it. You know, you adjust over the first few weeks of the season to the new rules. Then you get used to it. Oh, yeah, welcome to the playoffs. We're changing it how we're enforcing our rules completely. Yeah. And, and so all it does is create this false sense of parity where teams like Columbus or like Tampa have this skew in power plays being taken or drawn. And it's 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 false. It's wrong because in the regular season and how it's, quote, unquote, supposed to be enforced, it's it's not being – it's not that's not happening. And it kills me because – all it does is change the game completely, and that's like I said, that's not the reason why the Lightning lost this year. It's not. There are too many issues to say why they lost, but that's part of it, and it's part of why you haven't seen a President's Trophy winner get the Stanley Cup in years, and it's part of why there's this quote-unquote parity in the NHL where anything can happen because the game is played differently. It's not just power plays, not just penalty kills. It's defense. It's offense. It's how they you know, how you enforce a neutral zone, how you enforce your own zone, the front of the net, blue line, zone entries, everything has changed. And so the teams that adjust are the teams that win. And that's what Columbus yep, did, and that's, that's what Tampa didn't do. Yep. Yep. Next. <laughs> Sorry, I'm ranting a lot here. Uh, yeah, last thing I'll say, this one is going to be a quick 30-second blurb. Uh, I am not a fan of Pierre Maguire. I know that's, that's not a hot take. But Homeboy had maybe two good takes this whole series. He's screaming and yelling. He gets all all happy and erect over a four check, and it's like relax. It's he's terrible, and it's all it does is enforce this stupid NBC thing where they have games on CNBC and USA and the Golf Channel because the NHL has settled 
for mediocrity. It has settled, and it won't change it until the next TV deal if they change it. Instead of having like the NFL or MLB or all these other teams or NBA, literally, literally the other three of the major four professional sports leagues have their games on differing channels, on differing stations. They sold out their soul to NBC, and I love NBC a lot of the time. John Forslund was great during the season or during the series. Excuse me. Uh, uh, Doc Emmerich, I'm a big fan of Doc Emmerich. I thought Brian Boucher in Game 3 was phenomenal. There's a lot of great talent there. But when you got guys like Pierre Maguire and Mike Milbury on air, oh, because no. you have – it's because you've settled. You have settled for – you know what? They, they know enough to get by. This isn't, oh, our fans enjoy these guys. It's they know enough. They're smart guys. They know what they're doing. Okay, I will give it to them. Mike Milbury and Pierre Maguire know a lot more about hockey than I do. That doesn't mean they're good broadcasters. It doesn't mean they're personable. It doesn't mean they're relatable. It doesn't mean they get their point across well. There's an old article that came out that I tweeted out today from about Pierre Maguire from the Hartford Current. This is when he got fired by the Whalers in 1994. And it is incredible how spot on everything in that article is and how it's still relatable today. This is, this is the beginning of the article. I'll be really brief with it. With one brush of his newly recovered powers Thursday, general manager Paul Holmgren did more to unify the Whalers than anybody in recent team history. Holmgren fired coach Pierre Maguire after six months. It was more than a great idea. It was justice. In 15 years of covering the NHL, we had never seen a coach so universally disrespected and disliked within his own organization. He is book smart and X's and O's smart, but often not people smart. That still qualifies today. That article – like I said, that article came from 1994. Here we are 25 years later, and it still relates. That is who they've settled on as a as a color guy. That's my little rant aside. As a journalist and as a broadcaster and as a fan of the sport of hockey, it saddens me and it worries me that they have settled instead of trying to find someone who people actually enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I just, my... I just ignore them. I like – I, I seriously do like when he's like, oh, he's from such and such Finland who played with this. I love He's that. a smart guy. He's very yeah. – like he, he does but his research. I respect him else. for his research. As a broadcaster, I respect the heck the – heck, I lost my voice there – out of Pierre Maguire for, for the amount of research and the knowledge he has. Yeah. But, but you got to be more personable, man. Ooh, that's a lot of questions. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna yeah, one we'll sentence response. We will one. All right, so we have a lot of responses from people tonight. Shocker, I know. Um, we're gonna one response all of these. So uh, well, why don't we just go back and forth? I'll ask you a question, then you ask me a question. Actually, you know what? I'll just we'll just go back and forth on answers. I'll I'll ask them, and you you let me know which one you want, which one you don't want. So Zach Rosenswag asks, why do humans have feelings, and how do I turn them off? Uh, eat some ice cream. Universal. Off code, off switch for uh, for feelings. Uh, Jolly Mean Giant of Bolt Prospects asks, define recency bias and then comport yourselves accordingly. Very true. Thank you for that. Uh, but hard questions do need to be asked of everyone. Why do these players not seem to get that there's a different level of intensity in the playoffs? Why do the coaches wait two games to make lineup changes? Why do the front office sit on the sidelines at the deadline? Chad? Uh, we've covered almost all of those. And those yes. are the questions that we have to keep asking and the team accountable with these questions yes and if you look at the type of players that they draft they draft captains they draft good character but does that character stick are we still seeing that 
that grit and that competitive nature, that com- compete level that they keep talking about after they get those big contracts. Anyway, next. Uh, really quickly, I, uh, I forgot to mention it during my little Pierre McGuire rant. Uh, fun fact, quoted in that article from the Hartford Current is uh, current Lightning Assistant GM Pat Verbeek, otherwise known as a little ball of hate, who was on the Whalers at the time that Pierre McGuire was the coach. And they they got him to say they, – they quoted him on the record uh, in a blistering postmortem. Captain Pat Verbeek called McGuire's uh, – Pat Verbeek called McGuire's firing the best thing that could have happened to the Whalers. He said oh other God. teams mocked their coach. He said his own teammates had no respect for McGuire. He said a number of players wouldn't have wanted to play in Hartford anymore. That's how little hockey people thought of him at the time. And that's current assistant GM. And NBC jumped all over that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Anyway, that that little spiel aside, uh, Thunder Nation says we keep our first rounder at least. I like the optimism. Thank uh-huh. you for that. There's there's a there's a little toy for you, Good Chad. Job. They'll get a first round pick and they'll get a prospect that will be uh, undersized and skilled and Ooh, really you said fun. Toy. Um, this reminds. I meant to say, uh, how do you fix this? And I won't go into a huge rabbit hole here, but uh, I meant to say this. I think that. Brisebois has to step in and take Cooper's toys away, just like Iserman did with Matt Carl and Nesterov and the like. He eventually just said, you know what? He keeps playing people that don't need to be playing where they are. We're just going to send them away. And how he gets around the uh, no trade clauses, I don't know, but take the toys away. <laughs> take take the toys away. Perfectly said. Thank you. Uh, off the bar says, I'm proud of the team. They achieved something great. They made me so proud to be a Bolts fan, and that's all that matters to me. This franchise has made the right decisions before, and I'm sure that following this, they will keep doing so. Can't wait to see them in Sweden this November. I love the optimism. In all fairness, as much as I'm ranting today about how embarrassing this postseason has been for the Lightning, I do want to give them credit for an incredible regular season. Now it, it, it's basically thrown away because it got swept in the first round, but they did make it fun to watch. They did make it interesting. Uh, the regular season, that is. And uh, I, I do appreciate that there's people who can still appreciate him. And I, I, I'm sure that down the line in years to come, I'll appreciate the season was, that they had and all the skill that they had as well. It was a phenomenal um, season, but it's completely stained now. Yep, that's the issue. It's, you know, Virginia, UMBC. That's really all it is. Um, Thomas from Lutz asks, Lutz, wow. Shows you where I'm at at 10:44 on a Tuesday night. Uh, Thomas from Lutz asks, so what happens to the defense? Three defensemen are now unrestricted free agents. Also, there's no way Coop goes, but are there assistant changes that need to be made? Blue liners have not played well, and they were exposed. Uh, really briefly, I, I think that they bring back at least one, if not two, of the guys that are unrestricted free agents. I could see them bringing back Coburn after a good season he had. That said, they did healthy scratch and bring the playoffs, so they might not think that highly of him. <laughs> Um, so honestly, your guess is as good as mine. I don't think, I don't know how many assistant changes they'll make. I think that, I think they're going to drink their own Kool-Aid this off season. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah. I would like to see them get rid of one and bring in a veteran. Um, and we talked about that last week or the week before, and maybe that's a coach in waiting. That's an old veteran, but I, I do think that, um, when they let, uh, what's his name go? The other bonus. Yeah, Rick Bonus, that a lot of that veteran stuff was gone. Now, I do think he had to leave, but yes. I also think that there has to be someone that helps paint the picture of reality for the other coaches. 
Well said, Chad. Uh, Jessica Houston asks, how, why, were they terrible clones? Maybe. That's a good question. Uh, Good conspiracy theory to hang your hat on, guys. It could have been clones. That would be easier to understand. Bill Herdman says, a complete and utter disaster. Well put, Bill. You're correct, Bill. All Things Bolts asks, what do they need to do in the offseason in order to be better next year? Not necessarily in the regular season, but throughout the playoffs also. That's the big one. Big trades or big firings or both? I... So there's what could be done and what they will do. What could be done, yeah, you can see some big trades. You mentioned taking the toys away. Uh, you mentioned possibly bringing an assistant coach in and, and getting a veteran in here. Um, but like I said, I think they drink their own Kool-Aid. They, they think it's a blip, and they change, they change some things. They, well, there's no way they can explain an offseason without change, but I, I can't see gigantic you know, franchise altering decisions being made this summer. Cooper's already said this was a blemish to a great season. It's not a blank. I hate that quote. I want to burn that quote. I want to print it out and then just see. Rip that's it in the. Half. I don't know if that's just uh, flippantly giving the media something, or if he really thinks that's not that big of a deal. It's a pretty effing big deal. Chris ATL Prayer asks, not a question, but John Cooper has to be fired. Um, look, Boy, like I said, that's yeah. As we mentioned before, I don't. It, it's not going to happen um, just because they just resigned him and because they just had a great regular season. Um, but he's on a shorter leash now. That's, oh, that's without a question. If he doesn't have that extension, the whole thing coming into this year was if he gets beat out in the first round or two after a okay, you know, play regular season, then he's gone. But to have the regular season he did and then I don't see that he's going to be fired, but I do think that there has to be some kind of message sent. Mason still will asks, are the Columbus bumpkins, the cleanest team in the history of the sport In all fairness out of any team to have swept the lightning. I'm kind of glad it was Columbus just because if it was Montreal or Boston or Philly or anything in the Northeast, it would have been miserable, miserable from their fans, from their people. Everything I've seen from Columbus fans has been very, very um, relative to the sport of hockey and playoffs and, and trash talking. Been very mild, um, and I mean that in a good way. So uh, I, I won't go to insult them by saying bumpkins. Also, because I I feel like Florida and can't really defend the word bumpkin as much as Columbus can. So we'll go. Besides that, uh, are they the cleanest team in the history of the sport? No, but it's. It's the same swallow the whistles crap we talked about. Plus, you have to move your feet to draw a penalty, and you have yeah. to have urgency to move your feet. They got shut down. That's all it is. It's hard to take a penalty when you're not doing anything. Uh, the game mole asks, do you guys think this postseason poisons the locker room? I've seen it in, before in teams and other sports like the Packers when they choked away the NFC title game, and they were never the same. Can the Bulls recover? Are they tainted goods now? That I, I honestly don't have an answer for you. It remains to be seen. If it, if they show the same mental strength that they did there in this postseason, they're screwed because they showed nothing. Yeah, but I think that it'll be a hindsight question for me. I think the Lightning are the new Capitals and the pre-Cup Capitals, uh, where it's just yeah, that's a really talented team. Uh, we know they're going to lose in the playoffs um, until something clicks and there's a little bit more grit there. Um, to make it happen. I do think then that uh, earlier in, in his career, Iserman used to bring in um, veterans that were hungry 
and he would make changes in the off season. He he always used to say, I'm not going to make a trade just to make a trade, but sometimes you have to have a little bit different next year. And that different has to be a couple of players. They're going to have to do that in order to have some kind of clean slate going into next year. Otherwise I, I do think that game mole uh, brings up something that could happen. It definitely could happen, but I don't think you're going to see the true core members change at all. Two big pieces of that 15 cup run, Brendan Morrow and Brian Boyle, people that no one would in their right mind say that's the reason they would have won the cup if they had won the cup. But when you think about how, like, look, I understand that I'm a big analytics guy. I love analytics. So this is not a shot at it as much as I always take shots at it, but you you can't measure locker room. You can't. And I know that it's overstated time and time again. It is. It really is. Just like plus minus. But just like plus minus, there's a little bit there to it. There's a reason it's used. And there's a reason it's talked about. Locker room guys, you don't want to overpay for them, but you do need them. And I honestly believe guys like Brian Boyle and Brendan Morrow in 2015 played a huge part in keeping cooler heads to prevail. And the reason I say that is I was not in the locker room, but I did intern with Lightning Radio. I did get to meet guys like Brian Boyle and Brandon Morrow. I did get a little peek at their personality. They were fun guys who were good leaders who knew what to say at the right time. I didn't see all of it. I'm not going to say I did. That'd be a lie. But I've, I saw Brian Boyle make a laugh out of any, take, get a laugh out of anyone in that locker room during press conferences during media availability imagine what it's like when there's not a swarm of reporters in their faces so you gotta you gotta treasure those guys and that's why they were never going to trade Callahan the trade deadline and that's why as much as he costs he might not be gone next year no and I don't really think he should be it would be a financial thing only but I'd love for them to play him I'd love for them to just trade him to another team for them to buy him out and then re-sign him for a million yeah ooh, make my day yeah. Honestly, that's the only reason people have an issue with Callahan. If he didn't make $5.8 million, people would love him. If he made $2 million, $1 million, he'd be great. But that's besides the point. Um, let's move on while we still can. Uh, Nathan Shaw asks, what seriously has to be done in the offseason? This playoffs has been an utter and absolute travesty. We kind of went over that already. Yeah, but you're right. they have to make some changes. There has to be changes, even if it's just for the sake of making changes. But you have to take some of these long – you have to take a couple long timers and get rid of them and then bring – let let uh, Ernie and Joseph move up into those spots or bring in someone else to move into those spots. But there has to be something different. I will say this. I know it's going to break your heart. I think one of the bottom three forwards for the Lightning this postseason was with Matthew Joseph. He had one or two big hits that were oohs and ahs. Mm-hmm. He turned it over a lot. His puck retrieval was subpar, and he took bad penalties, including today. He took a very obvious, terrible penalty in the offensive zone that led to Columbus's game-winning goal. Yeah, not good. And you expect it from kids. Right, and, and it gonna... happens. I'm not saying he's ruined forever. And no, 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 no reason of course to be. not. Right. Of course but, not. But it was, it was just yeah. not a good postseason for him. Um, I just wanted to make that point. Uh, Mir V asks, all I got is probably what people have said. What changes do you see? Can Cooper or some of the coaches be fired? The reason I say this one again, even though we've said it multiple times, is because I love how he says this. Amir V says, I know he's signed an extension, but Vinick is rich, and who would replace him? <laughs> I don't see them buying out Cooper just because Vinick is rich. But I thought that line was hilarious, right. so thank you for making me smile. But um, 
if Quinville was on the market. Oh, they would definitely give him a look. Oh, my gosh, yes. It breaks my heart that Florida got him. I think the Panthers are going to have a good season either next year or the year after, but they're they're not they're not far off. And if they get both Panarin and Bobrovsky, good luck. Uh, at Beefhammer, that's a heck of a name, says, as much as this team has grown with Cooper, I will not be spending another dollar on the Lightning until he's gone. Just absolutely unacceptable on every level. Beef I mean, can be emotional. It's a little... It, it's uh, I don't blame the emotion, but I won't go that far. But I don't blame the emotion. But, but yikes, that is a that is a tough tough thing to say. Oh uh, man, uh, Gary Graff asks, how does Tampa only get one power play in the last two games, and how come PK was so bad this series, and why didn't Cooper challenge goaltender interference on the first goal? Uh, he didn't challenge goaltender interference on the first goal because they weren't gonna um, they weren't gonna overturn that call just because it's that's just it sucks, but that's what it is. Um, they uh what was the other ones how they only get one power play the last two games it's tough when the refs follow the whistles it's even tougher when you don't really move as uh chad said you don't really draw penalties you have to draw them and they didn't really have the puck on their stick so it's kind of hard to do that and why was pk so bad that's a great well, question that i don't have the answer to I, I don't know john tortorella and or whoever on his staff took Marty the st louis yes right and take the what the lightning do on their pk look at their box and say, okay, we're going to put a guy in the slot here and another one here, and then we're going to do this, and let's see what they do. And they did make adjustments throughout the series even on that. When the Lightning were more aggressive, they put uh, another guy down low, which caused them to uh, retreat back a little bit, which opened up the points, and they were just toying with the Lightning. It's miserable, absolutely miserable. Um, Gary Graff asked that question. The next question is Matt Hins, Hinsey. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry if I'm butchering your name, Matt. I apologize. Uh, he asks, does the team have a leadership problem? Referring to Stamkos, Hedman, Kutrov, etc. Uh, you know, I mentioned it before having Boyle and, and Moore in the locker room doesn't hurt to have those guys leadership wise. Callahan as well. It's not a bad question to ask because, you know, Stamkos got frustrated throwing that punch at Felino. Kutrov took that penalty. Hedman talking smack, you know, all signs of frustration and not a lot of mental fortitude. And that's not what you want to see out of your leadership group. No, I, I mean, Girardi and McDonough, and I do think Stamkos is a good captain. Um, yeah, I don't I will not. I'm Cal- not part of the bandwagon that says right, take away the captaincy for Stamkos. I'm no, not part of it. No way. I think they could use more. And I think when you have players that are visibly not playing with a sense of urgency, that affects everyone. And if you don't have everyone on board, then you've got no one on board. So part of why I love Yanni Gord. I've never seen that guy take a shift off. Never. Oh, I know. He's still playing like he's going to get cut next. They were day down. They were down. Day. It was either five or six to three with the empty net. And uh, maybe, maybe it was four to three still, but it was one point in the game where it looked like the game was out of reach. And the guy is just flying on the four check and it blows my mind how he always tries. I love it. Um, Michael Wax asks, with Paquette having a career season, any chance Tampa deals him or his, or his rights for assets and has a fourth-line center battle in the in training camp? If so, who wins that battle, assuming everyone is in-house? Um, they do have his rights. He is – I did check to make sure on cap friendly. He is a restricted free agent. He's 25 years old. He's getting a million dollars a season. They love him too much. I think he comes back. Yeah, I think so too. And I think they probably give – they might give him three years. I could see clock it. chimes in the background here. But um, – Carter Verhage has to pass through waivers next year, and he's a center. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him because you can't leave the or the AHL in scoring, be under 25 years old, 
and not get picked up, someone is going to put him on his roster. Someone yeah. will martell him. Oh, absolutely. So we'll see. I, I hope he gets a shot next year. He definitely earned it with his, his effort this year. Same with uh, Beret Boulay. But that's another day, another question. Yeah, um, another player type. You can't have all small players. It'll be interesting to see if they can uh, get more variety in there. Anyway, next. Kenny P asks, Austin, the official's not calling anything. Uh, we already talked about that. Uh, why do we not see emotion or passion from Cooper until game four? Co- correlated with when the urgency offense started to show up. He showed a lot of emotion after he overturned uh, the um, uh, the offsides goal for Columbus and made it three to one. Columbus ended up scoring to make it three to one later anyway. But he showed a lot of emotion, and you didn't really see that until that point from Cooper. And you make a good question. Why do we not see that? Honestly, I just don't think that's who he is all that often. Yeah. You don't see emotion from him during the regular season that much. It's occasional. It's rage sometimes, but not an outwardly emotional guy. He's a player's coach. Nope. And the thing is, you have to keep that in your back pocket to use it. But I, I do think he could use that more. And he doesn't have to you know, throw a uh, chair onto the ice or anything like that. But And, and we're not in the, in the room and during intermission, so we don't know if he's kicking trash cans over like uh right torts was the other night but i don't know if he literally was but he was they have that camera and he was doing something the other night but um yeah yeah i'm i like this next one here john cooper's tony dungy says elijah ewing can't wait to listen appreciate the compliment can't wait to listen i'm glad that you enjoy our work uh john cooper's tony dungy interesting point um, we talked about it earlier, and we shall see where that goes. Because, yikes, if that's true. Yeah, that's an it's uh for a Tampa sports fan, that's a very good comparison. Um, obviously, it's Tony Dungeon Dungey wasn't mean enough or um stern enough to get the team over the that last hump. It it could very well be true. So who's the John Gruden that's out there? That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I don't know. Uh, Stamtos asks, let's play a game. What was wrong with Hedman? Will it get labeled weak for not playing through it? We kind of talked about that already. We actually yep. did talk about that a lot already, so I'll leave that to our earlier point. Uh, Helovsky asks, take a few minutes to discuss what you think the biggest contributing factor to this disaster was. A lot of people are saying coaching, which I get, but it's playoff hockey and no one elevated their play. How does no one respond? Talked about that already. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on that, Chad? No, I do think that, well, yes, um, I think that goes back to Maddie's or Matt Hines's, um leadership question. Someone had to step up. I think Braden Point tried. Um, he looked better in I, game four. I will say that. He looked yeah, a lot better well, in game four. That fight that he had early in the series, too, I think that's a, he's trying. Um, but someone's got to put the team on their back, and no one did. Edward asks, what's the ideal way to adjust the neutral zone being clogged like what we witnessed all series long? Honestly, I'm not sure. I, I wish I had the answer to you, but they uh, they didn't possess the puck very well. Their breakout was sloppy. They got crushed on the forecheck, and they did a little bit much too much chip and chase, which is not their style. Yeah, they tried to do more chip and chase, um, and the Lightning like to do horizontal passes in the neutral zone to kind of uh, take advantage of space on the other side and then put that uh, fourth skater up um, to join the rush in immediate support. Um, what could they have done better is <laughs> they needed to have quicker breakouts before the uh, 
Blue Jackets were able to, I will say the Devils, because that's what they re- reminded me of um, before they were able to even set up. Um, they have to pressure more in the offensive end to gain more turnovers so they can uh, immediately attack with half the ice instead of the full ice. Um, there's a lot of stuff, but it all starts with what are you willing to do extra that you're not already doing in order to make it happen, and that's what the Lightning didn't do. Will Shima asks, what percentage of this collapse falls on Cooper, and would you fire him if you were Brisbois? Uh, a decent amount, but definitely not all of it. And no, I would not fire him. I would bring him back for one more year, but with a leash. Yep, I would have someone holding that leash, too. Um, bring in that veteran to put on the bench. And if if he thinks, you know, I wonder if this guy's here to take over for me if I fail this year. Yep, yes, he is. Lightning Strikes asks, Cooper has had his lunch eaten by trots and torts the past two seasons. No, he's not the only one responsible. That's true. Uh, but he has been severely outcoached. At what point does the plug have to be pulled, regardless of the regular season success? I'm thinking of Tony Dungy. So there's Ooh. our final Tony Dungy thing exactly. tonight. We, we've mentioned it multiple times. We've kind of answered this question a few times. Anything else you want to add before we finish, Chad? Well, both trots and torts are defense-first guys. And the reason why you got Scotty Bowman and guys like that saying Cooper is a joy to uh, the NHL because he plays in a speed brand and an entertaining brand of hockey, and not a lot of teams do that. This is why a lot of teams don't do that, because it can be shut down. Um, And if you're only used to playing that style, it's hard to adjust. But if you're playing one that's a little bit on the entertaining side, but you can go the other way and you can adjust, easily you don't have to rely on matchups to go far in the playoffs so those are my thoughts there the final comment we got tonight which wasn't the last one we got but i'm saving it for last just because of how brutally honest it was Uh, our good friend zwibble sorry if i'm butchering it says i just feel empty inside i've not felt like this since i lost my dog to cancer cannot effing believe it uh, I don't bring that up in a, uh, in a disrespectful manner, uh, but he shared it, or she shared I'm sorry, I don't know, um, uh, but they shared it. They wanted us to, to know about it, and uh, that's the final comment for a reason. That is incredibly honest and incredibly brutal, and yeah, you're not there's, wrong. There's a lot of Lightning fans that are not going to sleep tonight. I mean, with a sweep, though, with a sweep, not a sleep, if, with a sweep, you know it's coming, or you know the possibility of it is coming, so you're kind of ready for it. At least that's me right now. Um, but yeah, compared to yeah. like a, a loss in a game seven, yeah. this has kind of been where it's like all pain at once. This has kind of been like just a, a throbbing headache that's grown over the last few days. Yeah, um, which might be why I'm sick. Maybe the lightning got me sick. Got there it. you go. There's our episode title. Lightning got me sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in more ways than one, uh, the pun, the jokes write themselves. Kill me now. Uh, the final quote from tonight, not a comment, but a quote that I lifted from Twitter. Uh, Steven Samkos, quote, if you don't accomplish the goal of winning it all, it's a failure. And that is realism. And that is refreshing. Yep. It's the ones that, oh, this is the blemish. That is what I don't get. I want someone, I want my captain to speak up and tell it like it is. Yeah, if you didn't win it all after this year. It is a failure. It is an absolute failure. So what are we going to do about it? 
and I hope their internal meetings or in their exit meetings, they say, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to change to make this better. And not just, a, well, it was a blemish. We'll yeah. try again next year. Don't get me wrong. This series was a complete and utter disappointment, a failure, a travesty, a tragedy. Um, every other modicum of the it's word. A mockery. It's a Travis Sham. What is that quote? It's a travesty. It's, it's, it's a sham. It's a mockery. It's a Travis Sham mockery. Are you thinking about the Stephen A. Smith one? No, that's um, okay. I was gonna say was, that. That's part of it too. Is we've been hoodwinked, led astray, bamboozled. The team has deceived <laughs> no. us. Um, no, but all that aside, I really do enjoy Stephen Stamkos. I really love the guy. He's a good hockey player, and he does not deserve the crap he gets. No. And he has earned the C on his on his jersey, and he deserves to keep it. Yeah. That's my defense of him. After that terrible series, don't get me wrong, it's garbage. But I will I will defend him keeping the C Absolutely. because one series shouldn't change that. No. So, and if you want to see the effects of what losing the C can do to a team, go look at Joe Thornton and the Sharks and let me know how their playoff success has worked the last few years. What's that score right now? They're that? losing 3 nothing to Vegas in Game 4. They're down 2-1 to one in the series. They also don't have any goaltending, but that's besides the point. Gosh, Martin um, so speaking of, good transition because our last, very last subject, which should take about 30 seconds, around the NHL, the Penguins got swept too. So there you go, two playoff contenders with plenty of experience and history getting swept in the first round. Their captains basically not showing up. Crosby didn't do a whole lot before Game 4. Stamkos didn't do a whole lot before Game 4. It's wild. So the Islanders... Moved to the second round, just as everybody predicted when the season started. Uh, and the fun fact I got from this today, Barry Trotz has moved into a tie for second place for series wins by an Isles coach with Jack Capuano and Terry Simpson with one. Three coaches are tied for second in Islanders history for Ooh, series God. wins, and that's one. Al Arbor's in first. He won 29 playoff series. Still hated those teams. So there's that fun stat of the day. So, Lightning fans, how do you feel? Miserable? Terrible? Want to, you know, do something stupid? Don't do it. At the end of the day, as painful and as terrible as this last week has been, this is a game. The sun will rise tomorrow, and the night is darkest just before the dawn. We will enjoy talking to you all next season. I'm sure we'll have more episodes. We'll talk about other things. We'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about prospects. But from my mouth to your ears and Chad's mouth to your, you know, blocked ears, because who wants to listen to Chad? Um, I kid, I kid. Um, we, we appreciate you guys listening this season. I know we started late in the season, but we appreciate each and every one of you, and we hope that you enjoyed tuning into every one of our episodes. You can be happy again in June 2020. So what is that, 14 months? And Virginia can months. lose to UMBC in round one and win the championship the next year in the best redemption in college basketball history. Then the Lightning can come back from being swept by Columbus after winning 62 games to win the Cup. Congratulations to the Tammy Lightning, 2020 Stanley Cup winners. Knock on wood, I don't have any, whatever, who cares? Life is terrible. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Have a good one, everybody.